Hi, everybody. Welcome to Chorus versus Chorus. This is a show where each episode we bring you a theme about music. And then your two hosts, that's me and this other guy. Hey, explore... I'm the other guy. <laughs> hey, other guy. We explore music history, analysis, theory, and more. And we have a handful of competitive rounds based on that theme. The points don't matter because in our hearts, we know who the real winner is in life. But we not, neither of us need to really comment on that. Yeah. So I'm Dane. I'm Ethan. This week, we have quite a theme for you. The theme is humor. The theme is about funny songs. Ethan, I was thinking about this. There's a lot of pressure whenever, you know, people talk about humor to like be funny. I think we should just aggressively be unfunny during this episode. I think we generally are not as funny as we think we are. So that probably will not be too hard. Yeah, yeah. But I think we should be like stone faced the entire time. Like, I think it's cool when a song's funny. Makes me laugh. It's going to be a really popular episode. Yeah. Uh, we're already off to a great start. Ethan is yawning. <laughs> he looks like Jesus because he has a long hair and possibly the thickest beard I've ever seen on his face. Well, the thing is, Zoom does wonders for your complexion as well as your beard thickness. Because let me tell you, this thing is patchy. Did you put a little like filter on? That... <laughs> I have done that in the past. Let me tell you, it is amazing how well the beard filter works to make your beard look better. Wait, is there a beard filter on Zoom? Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do this. We'll do this later. Up. What? You don't think on, a, on an audio <laughs> medium we should be talking about video filters on Zoom? Hey, it's not the worst idea we've ever had. Well, Ethan, what made you think about this uh, episode idea? Um, I was listening to one of the songs that I chose for our episode today, and I was thinking, man, this song is very subtly hilarious. It's not a song that I would categorize as a like intentionally funny song. Yeah. And that got me to thinking like, man, we've alluded to songs that are humorous, and we certainly talked about songs that are funny on the, on the podcast, but we've never done an episode. And then Dane reminded me, this was one that was on our long laundry list of our episodes list. to do. Yeah. I mean, I've always been, I mean, you know this quite well. Uh, me being a fan of several bands that flirt with being novelty acts. Um, yeah. I really like when music that is supposed to be throwaway or like joke music when it's like accidentally good or mm -hmm. intentionally good. I find that to be a really fun tension artists play with. Um, yeah, definitely. You enjoy the academic analysis of humor. I do. Like yeah. picking at it from that angle. For sure. Yeah, I guess I'll say off the bat, like I didn't choose a Weird Al song for this episode, but I mean, I've obviously could have chosen a lot, but Weird Al was my first love. We you know, Weird Al was, well, I suppose Will Smith, um, but I haven't been a fan of Will Smith uh, for a really long time. Not until last year's Oscars did I become a fan of him again. <laughs> um, 
But uh, Weird Al, I think we've talked about it before. Like, I think a lot of people really appreciate Weird Al for his musicality as well. And I mean, I mm-hmm. think that's that's why you can you can point to him having like such longevity as an artist because he's not this freak show. He has real talent. I think he's a really good example of someone who can deliver a joke in a way that is enjoyable that it's like yeah. an enjoyable musical experience as well. So I just love this stuff. I love funny things that are delivered in, in compelling packages. Yep, absolutely. And I think compelling is the right word for the choices we've made. Right. So you want to tell us what the three categories are today? Happy to do so. So we have, as always, three categories for you. And they're all along the lines of humor. So category number one is a funny song that is also a good song. And then we have a good song that also happens to be funny. Yes. And then our third category is an unintentionally funny song. Which, which I mean, man, both there's the... a lot to choose from, <laughs> but I feel like we chose two bangers for this Yeah, one. both of our choices just make me laugh more than the songs that are funny. You know, nothing is funnier than unintentional funniness. Like a jock tripping over a barbell or something. <laughs> and, he, and he's like trying to be really uh, pompous about it or something. Um, yeah. So I hope, I hope those first two categories make sense to our listeners. And if they don't, you know, write us a letter. And we'll write us a sonnet. Yeah. Pause the episode and write us a letter and then we'll answer it and clarify it for you. But yeah, let's get started with our first category, a funny song that is good. Go for it. All right. Well, I'm very excited to talk about this one. This is also a musical artist, a group that even more so than Weird Al, I could speak to the way that they take seriously the way that they deliver their jokes or the musical ideas that carry their jokes. It is, of course, The Lonely Island and perhaps their bangingest song, I'm So Humble, featuring another guy who has inspired much laughter in the news cycle uh, over this past month, Maroon 5's own Adam Levine. So good. He's so the perfect person for this song. I know. It's like, did he know? Um, So we don't need to get into Adam Levine, except that I think he's a prick and it seems like he's been proven to have been a prick all along. I mean, to me, his musical persona is just like, he's just a preening narcissist in the music itself. Like the persona as a singer is just like intolerable to me. And so, yeah, it's very, very appropriate for this song. So (laughs) The Lonely Island is a comedy trio that you all probably know. One Uh, would hope you know them. One would hope you know. Um, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about The Lonely Island. I just like, I don't know if any of this is like original to say. I think they're geniuses. I think they helped inaugurate what I think is like the best era of SNL when Mm -hmm. they were on it. Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader, Fred Armisen, Seth Meyers, Will Forte. It was just, it was unbeatable. Um, So the Lonely Island are made of Andy Samberg, Kiva Schaefer, and Yorma Takone. They're uh, childhood friends. They became a comedy troupe in the 90s. Wow, really? Yeah, they met when they were in middle and high school. And they were living in LA and they were making videos with each other. And very early on, like in the pre-YouTube era, we're taking, they're on record of saying like, what made us stand out is that we took video production seriously. Like we wanted our videos to be like well-made and not just these like stupid, ugly things that deliver jokes, but actual filmmaking experiences. And then also they got really into making 
comedy music. They got hired onto SNL 2005. It's kind of amazing. Like, you know, it speaks to their talent that typically this doesn't happen, but Andy Samberg got hired on as a performer and he was like, I'm a package deal. You have to bring on my two friends as writers as well. So they were on the show. They were kind of milling about and I love this Genesis story. So everyone knows Lazy Sunday. Two, no, six, no, 12, Make a dozen. I told you that I'm crazy for these cupcakes, cousin. Yo, where's the movie playing? Up on West Side, dude. Well, let's hit up Yahoo Maps to find the dopest route. I prefer Mac Quest. That's a good one, too. Google the uh, first the big song that put them on the map and really kind of like pushed SNL into this new era, which they yeah. called Digital Shorts. And also kind of the first viral video on YouTube. It, it was have- early. It was, t- for me, it was literally the first video I watched on YouTube. Really? I don't, yeah, I don't know if you remember that or not. I can't remember that far back, but that seems yeah. probably about right. This was like a big part of like the story of the Lonely Island is that YouTube was this untested thing and they blew up as YouTube blew up. But I really like the Genesis story for this. So they came up with this idea for Lazy Sunday, which is this really like funny, charming parody hip hop song. They didn't know if it was actually going to get picked up for that week's episode. And they were writing it and then they recorded it throughout the next two days before the weekend. And the way that they actually got the camera, it's like, it's funny in 2005, there's no iPhones, right? People don't have cameras available. So what actually happened was Bill Hader's wife was taking a film class or like was in film school at NYU. And she just surreptitiously checked out camera equipment for them over the weekend and gave it to them. These like guys who had gone to be these like multimillionaire media producers, right? Like had to sort of jerry-rig the equipment to make this thing. So they sort of surreptitiously made it. They didn't know if it was going to get accepted. And then at the last minute, Lauren Michaels approved it for air and they actually weren't sure if people were going to hate it. And people did not hate it. It was a massive hit when it aired on SNL. And then it became like one of the first of many, 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 many viral videos that the Lonely Island would would eventually put out. So I think that's a really charming uh, start. The song I chose is I'm So Humble, which is from the soundtrack to the 2016 movie that they made pop star never stop never stopping which is kind of a dig at the like i don't know like self-aggrandizing justin bieber-esque rock documentaries that they make about pop stars it's a great movie it's very very funny have you ever seen it i still haven't seen it you're a fool what do you not like being happy do you not like laughing Uh, i mean obviously not (laughs) and so basically you know andy samberg plays this sort of like i mean i think if andy samberg could sing he would have just they would have just straight up done a justin bieber parody but he can't so he's like this he plays this weird character who's like this pop star but he's a rapper and this is the first song that plays in the movie like we see him come out and he's singing this song about how humble he is and like how how great it is that he is so humble has some incredibly choice lines that Adam Levine also helps with. And again, I don't know if Adam Levine, like under, like, was he in on the joke? (laughs) Does he, I know he knows what the concept was, but did he, I I just wonder if he knew like why he was hired for this particular track. (laughs) 
before I talk about why I think the song is like just good, as a lot of their other songs I also just think are just good music. What do you think of this song? Just like as music, what do you think of it? I mean, I think it's a very well-produced pop song. Lonely Island is just good pop songwriting, like good they production. Have, they have they know pop. what they're doing. They're they're yeah. doing they're mimicking contemporary pop music really well. They have instincts. They have pop instincts. Yeah. Like they can write a melody. They can write a yeah. hook. You know. And early on, I can't remember if it was Yorma. I think it was Yorma who made the beats and like you know, those mm. beats were fine. And now obviously like for a song like this, they, they just buy a beat from a good producer. But I think what makes them so musically talented and what makes their song so memorable is that they do have a pop instinct. They're also very well studied. They're on, you know, this is well known, they're hip hop fans, right? So a lot of these tropes that they're kind of mocking come from deep knowledge and deep love. So yeah. it's not this sort of facile, dorky white guy parody of rap. It's a deeply respectful and admiring comedic treatment of rap. And, you know, also there's a line in this where you kind of see like they have clearly been just like practicing their rap chops for many years. Andy Samberg is a great rapper. That's just fantastic. That's bars, man. They, they do their research. That's the thing. Yeah. And if you watch a lot of their early like videos, their rapping has always been very good. So if you're not super familiar with Lonely Island, except for like Dick in a Box and I just had sex or something like to delve into all the stuff they've done, even like the kind of pre SNL stuff. It's just all really, really funny. And it's, it's musically satisfying. But... Bar none, I am the most humblest. Number one at the top of the humble list. My apple crumble is by far the most crumblest, but I act like it tastes bad. Let's talk about my choice, which is from a completely different era of humorous music. Um, the song I chose is Poisoning Pigeons in the Park by the one, the only, the not late, but still very great and very old, Tom he's Very Lehrer. old. Yeah, I can't believe he's still alive. Crazy. Okay, yeah. so Tom Lair, uh, for those of you who don't know, man, I'm so glad you do know now. Born as Thomas Andrew Lair in 19-fucking-28. <laughs> oh my god one of the most talented human beings i think to have been born within the last 100 years and just barely within that 100 years because he is kicking in cambridge actually i believe he lives in cambridge massachusetts he has a real um, he has a real boston guy kind of deal well he's actually from manhattan but he oh. did live and reside in the boston area for a really long time so tom lehrer this amazing musician, songwriter, humorist, satirist, also mathematician and professor. Mm -hmm. So I have to talk about Tom Lehrer's background. I really recommend for anybody who is interested, go and just read his Wikipedia because you will go line by line and be like, no fucking way. 
every line. So again, born in 1928 in Manhattan's Upper East Side, started studying classical piano very early in his life, but was always a little more interested in popular music and sort of started writing show tunes and doing these satirical songs. He was basically a, a genius, like a not just a musical genius, but also a an academic genius. He graduated from high school at the age of 15 and wow. went from there to study mathematics as an undergraduate at Harvard, wrote a bunch of goofy songs while he was at Harvard. He went into the Marines. He stated, unclear if this is him just joking around or not, but stated that he invented the jello shot during his time <laughs> uh, working for the NSA as a means to circumvent a naval basis ban on alcoholic beverages. Again, you just keep going. He taught political science at MIT, joined the faculty of UC Santa Cruz. He ended up teaching a class on the mathematics of infinity. Wow. He has published a bunch of stuff about math. He's fucking genius. He also is best known for being a musician. And as I said, while he was at Harvard, he sort of started just as a gag writing all these goofy satirical songs. He, you know, would do these kind of like stand-up performances and then started getting a lot of popularity from that, went and paid 15 bucks for some studio time and recorded his songs. And from there started touring, went to the UK and then put out this album that is called An Evening Wasted with Tom Lair, which is a live album of performance album of his. One of my favorite Tom Lehrer songs of all time is this song, Poisoning Pigeons in the Park, which I did not know until researching this song is actually based on the practice of controlling pigeons in Boston with strychnine treated corn. So, so like they call them from the population. Yeah. So wow. basically there was overpopulation of of pigeons in Boston. You know, this is before PETA. This is before people realized just like poisoning any, any sense wildlife. of morality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before poisoning wildlife was, you know, frowned upon and they would go and, you know, feed these pigeons strychnine. So he basically said he took inspiration from that. And there's a very I, funny anecdote. He, uh, you know, recorded it with this big studio group when, uh, when they did the original version of this song, not the live recording. And he says he passed out all the music and there were no title on it. There's no lyrics. They ran through it. They're all like, oh, this is a nice little waltz. And then the engineer said, they're calling out, okay, here's the name of the song, take one. So he goes, all right, this is Poisoning Pigeons in the Park, take one. <laughs> like all of the musicians were like, what? What am I playing? <laughs> I wonder if his audience like would have known the if the song was about something that was relevant to them, mm. that they like knew about it, or if this was kind of like a curio that he, it was like a small news item or something that he took inspiration yeah. from, or if people knew about the practice. Well, so I think what's interesting about Tom Lehrer is like his, his songs that are most enduring are songs that maybe took inspiration from like a current event or took inspiration from a thing that happened to him but weren't time bound. So for mm -hmm. example, the most, if you know Tom Lehrer at all, you probably know the Elements song, mm -hmm. which is a song that he wrote that he basically sings out all of the elements on the periodic table. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your, I don't know, high school chemistry class, you probably heard this song. That's, you know, an example of he was just 
so smart and so clever that he could play with language. And I think this kind of falls in that same category where it's like, mm-hmm. you don't really have to know about the news story. It's a character piece, like, and it reveals, right. it's, like the brilliance of the song is that it gets more psychopathic as it yeah. goes on. And maybe we'll do in a squirrel or two while we're poisoning pigeons in the park. We'll murder them all amid laughter and merriment, except for the few we take home to experiment. And I mean, I could go on and on about Tom Lehrer. He is, uh, I actually, when we were in college, I wrote him a letter saying, hey, I'd really love to interview you for this radio show that I had. And he was like, hey, he actually responded to me at the age of, I don't know, he must have been in his mid 80s at the time. He responded and he was like, hey, this is very nice. I appreciate your very effusive compliments. That was how I learned the word effusive. I, I don't really do interviews anymore, but it's great to know that you're also from the Boston area. He was just like so nice. And That's it's so just nice. crazy that this like mathematical and musical genius is like a stone's throw away. And I grew up listening to Tom Lehrer because my dad would listen to these songs with me. So it was... Um, oh my God, there's, there's one artist that your dad liked that you'd like that too. I also like yeah wow. it's the only one we share it's the only one so I'll stop there I love Tom Lehrer on a personal level on sort of like a you know nostalgic level but also just like you listen to the song and this is a guy playing live singing playing the piano and then you start to learn more about his story as a person it's just like really mind-blowing that you can be so talented and again just like you said like the guys in the Lonely Island are really good at music mm-hmm. Tom Lehrer also an amazing musician and funny oh he's like cole porter or something or like rogers and hammerstein like you know you would find it in broadway a songbook standard or something like that especially that beginning that like piano flourish and uh, the the tightness of it it reminds me of cole porter too where it's just like the joke is you can barely keep up with how fast he's going yeah Um, it's all just really tight songwriting and to bring Weird Al up again, what, what's what's really interesting is something that I loved that Weird Al did in the early 2000s. He had a website on his official website and he had a feature called Ask Al. His special number is 27. He would answer 27 questions every so yeah. often. And I forget what the question was. It was something about like, do you have any like craft tips or anything like mm-hmm. that? Or like, do you, do you have any like rules of craft that you follow? And one of the things that Weird Al said is like, when you're being funny, you don't repeat ideas in music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't beat a idea to death. You always have to either say it once and then move on. Or if you're going to repeat it, you have to do some kind of surprising variation on it. Right. And I would almost wonder if he learned that from Tom Lair, you know, like mm. he was obvious, he was very inspired by Alan Sherman as well. And Tom Lair and in this particular song, no idea is wasted. It's yeah. very to the point. And like, anytime he repeats the poisoning pigeons in the park thing, he's like adding some kind of idea to it. When they see us coming, the birdies all try and hide. But they still go for peanuts when coated with cyanide. The sun's shining bright. Everything seems all right when we're poisoning pigeons. I can guarantee you if you've ever like heard a song that's trying to be funny or maybe even like watched a comedy sketch or a scene in a movie, it's because it's going on too long and it's like repeating its ideas, you know? Right. Right. Um, Yeah. And, and he's just the master of variations on a theme, which mm -hmm. I mean, 
if you want to maybe stretch it a little bit, like as a classical pianist, as a classical musician, like that's what classical music is about. Mm -hmm. Like sort of, you know, Western classical canon is all about taking a melody and building that into an entire symphony and having variations on a theme for hours on end. And like, you can do that in just a few minutes in a song like this. For sure. I also have a lot of affection for this song because when I was in middle school during the talent show, a couple of guys, very talented musical theater performers at my school did a rendition of this and they like, Hmm. they set dressed the stage to be like a park and they were like flinging uh, seeds around. And then I remember at one point they had the auditorium engineer play a bird chirping in the distance and one of them pulled out a gun and like shot it and they like threw a dead pigeon down onto the ground. It was very funny and that's how i first heard this song so i I feel like we probably learned about it around the same time it's funny spring is here a suffering is here life is skittles and life is beer i think the loveliest time of the year is the spring all right so that was a funny song that is good i would give it to you because your song is better musically and it's funnier too i think there are funnier lonely island songs i'm so humble is their best song one of their best songs musically but it's it's not the funniest lonely island right song. right poisoning pigeons in the park is very very funny so i'll give it to you nice i'll take it what's up next Next is a good song that is funny. You going to tell me about the genesis of this oh, yeah. episode? Oh, yeah. So uh, I will tell you right now, your song is going to win because it is hilarious. It's and so funny. You, the first line, you're like, <laughs> no fucking way. This is a real song. Yeah. Um, Save it. Save I, it for later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my choice is much more subtle, but I think mm-hmm. very satisfying when you finally get to it. Okay. And I just love this artist and I love talking about him. So the song I chose is Don't Tell Our Friends About Me by Blake Mills. I'm excited for you to explain this to me because I didn't I didn't really get what was funny about it. And maybe it's one of those things where you the song has to grab, you know, hook you in. And then as you listen to it more, you kind of realize that it's funny, but I, I didn't totally get it. So I'd like you to take me down the, yeah. Down the trail. Yeah, yeah, happy to do it. So first, let's talk about Blake Mills a little bit. Two-timer Blake club. Mills, he is, that's true. He was in the very um, first episode. Yeah, wow, damn. I was like, I'm sure I've talked about him, but I couldn't remember when it was. So he is a guitarist, composer, producer, musician from Santa Monica. Grew up in Malibu. Grew up playing music with <laughs> the much maligned band Dawes, or at least he grew <laughs> up playing music with Taylor Goldsmith, who's the lead singer of Dawes. Uh, they're um, not they're not maligned at the AV club. There's an ongoing joke that the AV club always shills for them for some reason. Right, exactly. So he he ended up playing with the lead singer of Dawes, and they were in a band before that called Simon Dawes. Weird. And then they broke up, and then Dawes went on to get formed. Anyway, Blake Mills is above as, Dawes. That is as much Dawes uh, <laughs> content that you're ever going to get on this show. I guarantee I it. We're never going to return to it. So yeah, Blake Mills is really best known for his production. If you know of Blake Mills, you probably know him for the fact that he was the producer for the Alabama Shakes album, Sound and Color, which is, 
I would say one of my favorite albums of the last decade. Like, I think it is an amazing album. And I think in large part, at least due to the fact that Blake Mills got his hands on the reins for production. If you think about the first album that Alabama Shakes did, it was like very fine, if not pretty generic alt country rock. And Blake Mills turned up the weird and said, Brittany Howard, please do all the weirdest shit that you can possibly do. Because she's very weird. (laughs) Yeah. This song that I chose is from Blake Mills' own album, which is called Hey Ho. This album, I think if you listen to it, you'll understand where a lot of the sounds in Sound and Color come from because he is a virtuosic producer and it Mm. comes across in this album. Not in this song as much, but let's talk about the song. So don't tell our friends about me. The song is funny because... The song is basically like an apology song. So it's sort of in this genre that Blake Mills as a musician who's sort of lived in the kind of country alt rock space. This is a typical like guy pleading to his girl, oh, I made a mistake, take me back kind of song. No, I was not getting my message close. I know you can't stand me when that's how I talk. When I summon a duel, whatever it is you thought. So he's basically saying throughout the song, I know I fucked up, but please don't tell our friends about me. I know I've screwed up and I've said these bad things. And he says, I felt ashamed of how angry I got, but please just don't tell our friends. I don't want them to know. Let's keep this between us so we can resolve this conflict. And at the very end of this song, he does something that I think is so funny and so indicative of him as like a musician and songwriter. This female voice gets introduced. And it's basically a call and response between Blake Mills and presumably his partner. And she's like, you can hear her say, I've got better stories to tell. But then he goes and he he starts singing over her again. He's like, please don't tell our friends about us. And he's, she says, all your friends aren't my friends anymore. And he says, please don't tell our friends about us. And it's like, it's like, it's so funny to me the way that he undercuts this narrative, this sort of like classic archetypal song of like the lover who's done wrong and is apologizing where the woman is like, you're a fucking idiot. I don't even care. Your apology is so stupid and meaningless. I've got better stories to tell. You think I'm going to tell our friends that we had a little tiff? Like, you're not all that cool. Like, I don't care. And also, like, definitionally, they're not your friends anymore. They're my friends. They're right, on exactly. my side. It's, yeah. it's so, it's like so subtly funny. And I just, it makes me appreciate him as a musician that he can like take something that clearly for him to repeat the line, I know I fucked up over and over. Like, that's somebody who's, I imagine, like really trying to write a song that's pretty emotionally heavy, but the way that he just undercuts himself is like so endearing and funny to me. So that's why I chose this song. Let's switch it up because your song is not subtly funny. It is just (laughs) fucking hilarious. 
this is I think I never mark the episodes of chorus versus chorus as explicit but I think I'm gonna have to because I can't I can't talk about the song without saying the things or like playing the clips and every single part of it is extremely graphic so (laughs) also um, before we before we get into the song can I just say I went on to her Spotify she has a song called Squidward Nose yeah, which I can only imagine yep. based on the content of this song, what that song is about. That's right, cupcake fans. We're talking about the one and only Chicago's proudest export, Cupcake, the rapper Cupcake. Man, what to say about Cupcake? She is 25 years old. She grew up in Parkway Gardens, which is a Southside neighborhood in Chicago. And she went to school with Chief Keef which will become a relevant fact in a little bit when we talk about some of these lyrics. I first heard of Cupcake because her album Eferize, which came out in 2018, was picked as best new music by Pitchfork. And I'm, you know, sometimes I, I look at the best new music and I check it out. And if you look at this album cover, it looks very dramatic, wouldn't you say? Like, it looks like she's, well, I'm not going to say a serious artist because she is a serious artist because she's a prodigiously talented rapper. And, mm-hmm. and musician but it looks like a dour kind of album it looks like a dramatic yeah. kind of album it looks um, like either an like an edm cover right. or like some sort of like avant-garde electronica or something like that right exactly and it's not and there are other songs on the album there are songs cupcake does that are about serious topics and she talks about you know lgbtq rights and stuff like that but Not on this song. (laughs) It's really interesting because this is like kind of a, I don't know, like a teleological, philosophical kind of issue because it's like, well, what is a joke song, right? Because like Mm. the category is a a good song that is funny. And like your Blake Mills song is a good song. And I guess by that we mean like a serious song that happens to be funny. Mm. But it's like, what is what is the line here with the song Duck Duck Goose by Cupcake? Like, is it just a novelty song? Is it is it a comedy song that's good? I don't know. I yeah. guess I guess the answer is Cupcake's not a comedian. She's a rapper. Right. But, um, but the thing is, this song is the funniest song in this whole episode. It is one of the funniest songs ever. We start with this really intense, as Ethan just said, like an EDM type thing. And then... Ethan, do you want to tell the folks the first line that, that so caught your ear? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I came, but I peed on the dick. I thought I came, but I peed on the dick. Pubic hair got inches, that's weave on the dick. Pussy like a tree, got leaves on the shit. Bang, bang, this pussy cheap, keep with the dick. Climbing on that dick, need a 10 feet ladder. I love the D, that's my favorite ladder. My news and your phone taking up your So data. weird. <laughs> so that's the first line of the whole song. Oh my so, God, it's so funny. So this song is basically like, I don't, I think someone with more hip hop history knowledge than, than me would be able to name it. Like, I think there's a name for the type of song where it's basically just, it's like a freestyle flex. It's her mm. showing how virtuosic she is, how good she is at rhymes and how good she is at puns and at wordplay. And this song is just chock-a-block with wordplay. So mm-hmm. basically like this will just evolve into me like saying all the good lines. So I'm just going to give you like my three favorite, okay? My first one would be 
Coochie guaranteed to put you to sleep so damn soon. Riding on that dick, I'm reading Goodnight Moon. <laughs> Another great one is uh, turn double Dutch with your balls while I'm jumping on your dick. Oh my God. <laughs> and then my absolute favorite line is put your finger in the hole. Come bowl with me. So, I mean, just listen to the song before Anchor FM shuts us down. It's just so funny, but like, I do want to turn it back to that question. Like, what is the definition here? Like, is this a comedy song or is it a good song that's funny? Yeah, I, this one really straddles a line because it's like, what does the intent of the artist matter? Well, no, but yeah, one thing I would say is that it's a good song and the the music is not the vehicle for the joke, right? The jokes are just there. Like she is a serious rapper and she's like talking shit on the song and like showing off. So like the the jokes themselves are not the purpose of the song. The, mm-hmm. the purpose of the song is to like be good at rapping, right? Right. I, I would have also loved to have talked about Das Racist on this episode. Also they have a good a, one, yeah. They have a really interesting kind of trajectory where they like had a viral hit that was like a total novelty joke song. They could have kind of turned into because they Das Racist were really good rappers. They still are. Mm-hmm. They just broke up. But they didn't do this thing where it's like, no, actually, like we're really serious. And we're gonna like Macklemore it up now. They're like, mm-hmm. no, we're like really funny and we're really good at rapping, and we're gonna like do both those things. And that's kind of what I think Cupcake's doing here as well. Yeah. I no, I agree with you. I think I think if she want man, this is such a hard nut to crack because it's which I feel like could be a line in this song. Uh, (laughs) If this were a guy rapping about the same topic, it wouldn't be funny. It would be like a flex, right? Right. Is it gender-based that we're like, oh, this is so over the top, it's hilarious? Or is it like, you know, because like Lil' Kim did this, right? Cupcake is not the first female rapper to do this, but she's a female rapper doing it, not a male rapper. So there there is a whole... Yeah, there is a whole tradition to that too, right? Like mm-hmm. gender flipping things. And it's like sad that that's still kind of like Megan, you know, Megan the Stallion is doing that. Or as Dan Savage, the boomer accidentally called her Megan three stallion, which I think is <laughs> fucking hilarious. But it's it's still kind of like presented as like, oh, I I get mine, like I get what I want. I like to fuck and I'm gonna like dominate guys. And it's like still sort of seen as like, yeah, this is like a reversal of things, right? Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I don't I don't think the song is funny because it's a woman acting brazen. I just think like the wordplay is just so good and so funny. Yeah, you know? yeah agreed. Cupcake, she's awesome. She started rapping when she was 15. She learned from a, a fellow member of her church that she should turn to rapping because she was like writing poetry and stuff. But she wrote some extremely sexually explicit songs that make me very uncomfortable to listen to because she was like 16 when she was recording them. But uh, she's a really fun artist to explore. And she also features a lot on Charlie XCX songs. And she's awesome on all of them so she's a really good artist a fantastic rapper she just happens to be like way funnier than most other rappers (laughs) this song would make me laugh harder than most lonely island songs you know so i get the point 
Yes, easily. Um, is it because it's a funnier or because it's better? It's funnier. It's funnier. Yeah. I don't want to be so subjective about two songs that are like so completely so different. on different ends yeah. of the musical spectrum. Do you, it's do so you think it's funnier. a do you think it's a bop though? Yeah. For sure. It's it fun. Is a, okay. Let's take it home with a category that I'm just absolutely delighted to talk about. Unintentionally funny song. Yeah, I'm happy that we're going to end with yours. I don't have a whole lot to say about mine. In fact, I I really only have one word to say about my song. Do you know what, my, what the one word is? Uh, I, I think I know, but I'm not sure how to pronounce it. <laughs> it's a... Uh, Get up, come on, go down. My choice for unintentionally funny. So I... I will say that I, I worked really hard on this category. Like I listened to a lot of really unintentionally funny songs and I'm very excited to kind of talk with you also about like what makes an unintentionally funny song. You know, so I chose down with the sickness by the Chicago based band. So we have two people repping Chicago no way. They're Chicago based. Yeah, they're from Chicago. Uh, Disturbed formed in 1994 they're uh, an American new metal band, which we've talked about before on this show. According to Wikipedia, they rank alongside Slipknot and Godsmack as one of the most successful rock bands of the 21st century. Godsmack? I, I mean, never would, I never sure. would have guessed. Yeah. Wouldn't have been on my list. So most members of the public don't know much about Disturbed, but they do know that they're the band that has that one song with the stupidest noise in rock history. That's so good. Can you do it? I can't do it right now because I have a baby sleeping upstairs. Do it, wait, do it as a whisper. That's pretty good. You should do Down With The Sickness Lullaby. I might. That would be a that would be a hit, I think. So I'll talk a little bit about why I find this song so funny. Although, how could you even articulate it? I'll also talk about I want to throw it a couple of compliments. And then I want to kind of talk a little bit about like, yeah, like how are we defining unintentionally funny? Because mm-hmm. you know, our two songs could not be any more different, but they do have a similar ethos, I feel. I feel like they're both extremely male and extremely arrogant and unself-aware so new metal is a genre we talked about it you know is otherwise known as butt rock it describes this sort of artistically bankrupt period of time in early 2000s post 9-11 musical landscape where they recorded every rock song on the radio you know by Nickelback and Disturbed and Stained like a hundred overdubbed guitars and men who sang like Eddie Vedder it was violent and misogynistic and all probably about like wanting to kill Osama bin Laden or something like that. (laughs) The reason this song is so funny is first of all, like it has comedic timing. Mm -hmm. The beginning of the song is like this really intense sort of like chop suey type drums, like the sort of like wipeout on the, on the floor toms. And it's like building up. And then you've got the sort of like, I don't know, refused chugging distorted Schecter guitars And then it's really funny because the singer, David Draymond, underneath, did you ever notice this? I never like really noticed it until I listened to it for this episode. Underneath the intro, he's going, oh, shit. You ever (laughs) notice that? 
It's so funny. <laughs> we got to listen again. And it builds and it's building and it's building and it's building. And then it just like, finally, you're like, what is going to happen? And then like, like a punchline, it just suddenly drops and he goes, oh, wow. And mm-hmm. it's just so, so good. It's so funny. Two things that I'll throw its way to sort of like not just bully it, to, to not bully Disturbed. First of all, I think that they are quite uh, judicious with their use of the signature sound in this song. Like, I don't think they overplay it too much. They drop it at the beginning. They really don't pick it back up until the end. So good on them. It shows restraint. It shows, you know, artistic integrity. Would you agree? Uh, I don't know about that second one, Restraint. (laughs) And then while I was listening to this song, I was going like, you know what? Like so much new metal is like violent and misogynistic. Let the bodies hit the floor. That song's like disgusting. And I was listening to this and I was like, you know, at least this is just like aggressive, but it's like, I don't know, it's not nasty. Mm -hmm. But then did you listen to this whole song? No, no, dude. I'm sorry. I know we're normally supposed to do that, but I was like, I heard this so many times on the radio as a kid. Well, what he said is, he says at the end, why did you have to be such a bitch? Why don't you, why don't you fuck off and die? Oh, nice. Never stick your hand in my face again, bitch. I don't need this stupid shit, you stupid, sadistic, abusive fucking whore. So actually, it's maybe the worst and most violent and misogynistic song in the whole genre of metal. So uh, fuck these guys. Truly. All right. Well, I think my song's going to win because at least the artist I chose is just a generally kind of a doofus. A doofy doof doof. But yeah, so I chose this song because I think what is unintentionally funny is just like, I don't know. Well, it's so serious. Chasing gym rats, basically. Like right. when a when a muscle guy gets too aggressive at the bar and then he has to get dragged off by two bouncers and he's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to come back, bro. I'm going to come back. That to me is just like, ooh, wah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And also just like, when would you make that noise? I mean, you wouldn't. And that's the thing is it's just like, it's so very much screams to me like high school bully, right? Of like, mm-hmm. yeah. it'd, be, it'd be intimidating in high school to go, and like make wow, a yeah. noise in somebody's face mm-hmm. but in the real world as a grown-up it's <laughs> it's just fucking stupid you know what i um also really laugh thinking about what it was like when they were like workshopping this song during the demos like do you think that the singer while the band was figuring out the bass line and they it, it started falling into place and he's like thinking there'd be a cool drop here like what if i did like kawabahanga <laughs> or like how many times do you think it took him to like finally get like well so just to tie this back to something we were talking about earlier blake mills when he was producing the alabama shakes album Brittany howard was just doing vocal warm-ups and they were doing some scratch takes for the song don't want to fight no more at the beginning right before the song comes in you can hear her in the recorded version she makes this crazy kind of like screeching noise and when she did it he was like we're keeping that in song she was like what are you talking about it's one of like most iconic parts of the song and so i wonder is that what happened here that he was just kind of like screwing around like that was never supposed to be in there and then just they were in the studio and he kind of like made a funny noise and they were like that's sick dude let's <laughs> fucking record that 
dude, that's down with the sickness. Now I'm just laughing, thinking about Brittany Howard doing the, oh, wow. Shoot, to everyone listening, all of our listeners, write an email to Brittany Howard and ask her to record that into her voice memo app on her phone. Do it right now. All right. So that's down with the sickness. It is. That's what it is. It's I think you nailed it. It's it's like a high school bully song. But yeah. you know, all high school bullies are ultimately ridiculous. So you know so ridiculous. He's like, banana. All right. On to yours, which the the minute I saw that you picked it, it was it I just started laughing. Well, the, I'm I'm glad to uh, to get you to laugh at the, the end of our humor at, episode. Um, at, the mo- at the most successful song in fucking recorded history, apparently. Jesus. Yeah, it's it's insane. I chose I, the song "Shape of You" by the one and only Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran, she ran so far away. Do we have to be nice about this? Because I know like four billion no. people have listened to this song four billion times on Spotify. People must. I'm assuming at least two people who listened to that song like didn't just put it on like a jock jams playlist. Like they actually like it and pay attention to it. But yeah, let's be let's be mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. My job isn't to be nice. My job is to make a stupid podcast with my friends. So I'm going to talk shit about Ed Sheeran. Your job isn't Um, to be nice. Your job is to be right. (laughs) Ed Sheeran, born in Halifax, West Yorkshire, which I can only imagine is in England. Which I can only imagine is a miasma that bubbles forth and produces people who look like him and Rupert Grint. Oh, my God. It's Ed Sheeran. I don't know. He's like one of the most famous musicians in the world. I don't have to tell you who he is. How? How? A few things about Ed that I find interesting. He uh, was married in 2019. He has two children. Good job, Ed. Father of two. (laughs) He found his way to fame by doing a lot of looping and playing acoustic music. And uh, the song The A-Team, sort of his first big hit he won some Brit awards. He then went on to just explode into being like the biggest star in the entire it's universe. Cause he, it's because he's like Jason Mraz, but he does like hip hop inflection, right? Okay, so here's my thought on Ed Sheeran. I I have really, for a long time now, also, he's a fucking, he's got knighthood, dude. It's insane. I don't get insane. it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> I really cannot work out how someone who not just looks like that, but has the personality that Ed Sheeran does can be like the most popular person in the world. I actually don't know anything about his personality. Oh, it's complete bullshit. I will, I'll go into it in just a bit. Yeah. He has no personality is the thing. He has absolutely no personality. He's not personable. If you ever have watched an Ed Sheeran video, especially like look up the video for, I literally don't out loud. What is it? I literally don't know another Ed Sheeran song besides Shape okay. of You. Look up the song Thinking Out Loud, the video for it. And this is like all of his music videos. I was, Dane, I was texting you about this, but it's worth mentioning here. Every single one of his videos, it looks like his parents paid some studio, like a couple thousand bucks yeah. to use their really nice camera to like record their teenage son dancing with somebody and like produce a track to go along with it. He it is look- essentially like the ginger male Rebecca Black. Yeah. Yeah, it looks in all like, of his music videos. It looks like a music video that like like a Columbia College Chicago student director yeah. made, you know, for free to put on their sizzle reel. Right. And I think that that's part of his appeal is like he is so dirtily. It's sort of 
weird similarity. Very Boris Johnson. <laughs> Boris Johnson is like a cultivated doofus. And I think that Ed Sheeran is a cultivated doofus mm. in the same way. That's like really appealing in, to a lot in, of people. In only the way that a British person could be. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Ed Sheeran. Like, that's Ed like, Sheeran. But like, <laughs> is Ed Sheeran like bribing the world? And we're not. No, I'm tell- I, I really think I've just hit on a, this is my genius moment of the month. Man. He's the fucking Boris Johnson of music. Yeah. He, yeah. he like truly took that vibe and just became the biggest selling, one of the biggest selling artists of all time. He Jeez. has, okay, let me just summarize 150 million records worldwide. Two of his albums are on the best selling UK albums of all time. He has had his tour off of this the album that the song is off of was the highest grossing tour of all time i have literally never met a person who says that they are a fan of ed sheeran and yet there are billions of them okay so let's 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 talk about this song because we could talk about the enigma of ed sheeran for a long time the song is shape of you it is i would say like a well-produced extremely generic pop song to me it's work from it, home yeah it does it, it's <laughs> bum, 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 bum. he basically i mean he's worked with rick rubin and i think what rick rubin did that is admirable is basically and he does this with all the artists that he works with but he said like what makes you you as an artist and he said well ed fucking sheeran i think what makes you you is this ability that you have to take like your live instrumentation right your Mm -hmm. acoustic guitar and take those sounds and integrate it in and you get some of that in the song but apart from that there's nothing original or interesting to me about this song it is a pop song that goes on the radio it was taking advantage of kind of like a latin caribbean vibe that was going on in sort of late 2010s and just like wrote this work by rihanna was kind of right and just wrote this to the top of the charts The thing that makes a song funny is the New York Times (laughs) made a video and they had this series. They still have a series. It's a really good series where they basically like talk with an artist about how they made the song. And in this video, they talk with Ed Sheeran. They talk with Ed Sheeran's sort of like right hand producer, Johnny McDade and Steve Mack, who are the two kind of co-songwriters. There are two things that are fucking hilarious about this thing number one there's a lot that's hilarious. well there's a lot that's hilarious about this but thing number one is this writing session was ed sheeran and his longtime producer went into a studio with this guy steve mack who ed had never met before and five minutes in they he starts steve mack starts playing the little piano line the little plinking it's actually like a log drum sound That becomes the basis of the song. And they start laying down tracks and they wrote the whole, like all the music they wrote in basically like 15 minutes, it seems. And Ed Sheeran started trying to come up with lyrics. And the lyrics that he came up with were like so objectively gross and stupid. Like somehow grosser like, than the final product, which is like, oh my God. So one, bad. Of, the gr- so, one of the grossest. Anyway. But at least the idea of like the shape of you has some, some subtlety, right? I, I guess. Like a modicum, like modicum of subtlety. The lyrics that he were, was like fixated on was he said, I really wanted to say, I'm in love with your body. I love your body. And my bed sheets smell like you. Ugh. All of these things are brand new in our bed. 
the interview with the co-writer is just like he's like i had to keep telling ed sheeran like no we can't do that and then they cut back to ed and ed is like yeah he's a good guy he like didn't want to say stuff about like your body and like being objectifying <laughs> and i'm like oh my god dude you're uh, so cringy you're such so a there's douche. that whole aspect of ed sheeran just being like unable to get his mind off of like this stupid gross can, lyric can i add to that oh yeah Part of part of what is hilarious to this to me about this, I mean, it, it's your body is a wonderland part two. It's just like yeah. the grossest sentiment expressed in the grossest terms possible. Totally. Totally. But like what's also funny about it is like, I'm in love with the shape of you. Now my bed sheets smell like you. I'm in love with your body. And it's like, even if those words, I mean, it's like hilarious that it's Ed Sheeran saying that. I don't want to like bully him for how he looks. You know, it's like whatever. But like, we'll say he's not exactly the most charming and virile man on the planet. There's no one that those words, like there's no one's mouth those words could come out of that would make that sound like sexy or smooth. Like D'Angelo could be saying those words and it would be horrendous. It would be an absolute crime against humanity because saying like, I'm in love with your body is insane. And that's the other thing to me that is so insane to me about this. This is not like a sweaty, raunchy club track. This is the most banal, milk toast. Yeah. You go and you, you hear it at the gym. You go and you hear it in the Whole Foods. Like, it is so a song. Bad. It is a song that people slowly die to. And it and it has the most <laughs> nursing home music. Right. It is just the ugliest sentiment I have like I could possibly think of in like the most unsexy treatment of sex possible. It's mind boggling. So it's just it's just frankly like it's just repugnant. And it's like so lowest common denominator, like easy listening music. So that to me is like a part of what makes it so funny. Last night you were in my room. Right. Yeah. Part two. Okay, this is my favorite part. So, additionally, in this <laughs> New York Times, I laugh. This New so York hard. Times video, they're talking about being in the studio and working on the song. And you know, if you've ever watched videos of people being in a studio or been in a studio yourself, you know that there's a lot of time where you're just clicking around or you're doing multiple takes or somebody's recording a different instrument. You're not always the center of attention as an artist. And at one point, they're they're interviewing. Johnny McDade, the the co-writer of this song. And he says, yeah, again, this is like Ed Sheeran's right-hand man, right? This is the person who has worked with him to write all of his music since his first album. And he says, yeah, when I go into the studio with Ed, he has a really short attention span. So what I've (laughs) learned to do is bring in Lego sets and he'll play with the Legos while I'm doing stuff. And it keeps him distracted. And you're like, like... it's Are like a, you fucking kidding me? It's like a funnier die video. <laughs> it's like, so that is literally what you do with boys in the second grade. It's like, <laughs> all right, Ed, I need you to sit still for 20 minutes while mommy goes to the <laughs> dentist. Can you play with these Legos? While the adults are actually trying to construct the song for you, oh you God. need to play with it. It really is like a fun, you know, like any kind of time there's like a comedy sketch where a famous person plays like a, like an idiot version of themselves or like a douchey version. So, but it's like just the, real the, life. Uh, 
the John Mayer one. Like this yeah, could be the yeah. Ed Sheeran equivalent, but it's actually but it's real true. life. But it's actual reality. <laughs> it's like not only are the lyrics cringy, not only is the song completely boring, but like that anecdote to me is just stratospheric in its yeah. in its hilarity. I can I also say I thought it was very funny how and you just everybody you know you just got to watch the video. It's like playing and it has really cool graphics. It's just, and it, and it's like I laughed at this part too. It's it's really kind of like dramatic because it's saying Shape of You, most streamed track ever on Spotify, most weeks ever in the Billboard top 10, 2.8 billion views on YouTube. And then it you know it like gets to them and it's just like yeah, I showed up. I'd never met Ed before. I played this line. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and then Ed Sheeran's like, yeah. And then I just, you know, whatever. I played some like chords. Yeah. Uh, and then like there was like a beat or something. <laughs> the, end, the end of the video too, where he's like, yeah, I, I don't know how to write a hit song. I, I just write songs. Like he could not, like what kind of personality is that? You are the biggest fucking artist in the world. You don't give a fuck at all. Yeah, like as much as like Taylor Swift gets grief for like being so intense and calculating about writing the mathematically perfect pop song or like calibrating her fame. Per, you know, at least there's like drama to that. At least she mm-hmm. like is a control freak you know ed sheeran's just kind of like oh i just stumbled out of bed and uh, i don't know i really just want to like grab grab a woman's butt right right it's just like who are you you look like ron weasley get out of here so bad uh yeah so yours wins because you know down with the sickness has a two second part that's funny but everything about shape of you is funny and i just love dunking on anyone who but well again i i actually would be willing to bet that no one actually likes this song they put it on while they're working out it just sort of like exists i mean isn't that liking it maybe i don't know i don't know if anyone's ever actually like listened to the song i don't think it's ever like actually absorbed into anyone's skulls and that's why it's so popular i don't get it man i don't get hey, it uh, i mean if you got it you'd be getting four billion sp- streams on spotify so apparently well <sighs> ethan that's humor that is I humor think, that you think we, do you think we properly explain to our listeners what humor is i think i think they already knew but if they didn't now they certainly do <laughs> uh, i think we should both end with a joke um okay give me a moment okay got one okay go ahead knock knock who's there interrupting cow <clears throat> interrupting cow moo moo <laughs> how'd i do uh, i beat you uh knock knock who's there i eat mop i no i'm not gonna say it (laughs) listeners you say it at home turn to your loved one and say it so if you liked the clips that we were playing especially if you would like to hear all five minutes of down with the sickness by disturbed (laughs) Or if you would like to help fund Ed Sheeran's fifth private island by contributing to his 3 billion plays on Spotify, go to the official Chorus versus Chorus Spotify playlist to hear the full songs. Amazing. I enjoy this all the time. Yep. And as always, listeners, give me the points.
next time. They're all for you. <laughs> Thanks all. Ta-ta.